Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. So today's sutta is the Ataka Nagara Sutta. Uh, the subtitle is The Single Quality for Awakening. Um, and that single quality is actually described in two different ways. Uh, it's, it's jhana is that single quality, a very profound level of concentration that supports right view. And that's the single quality that is established through the Eightfold Path. Uh, and right view, just as a reminder, is very simple and direct, and it relates to the first noble truth. And it Right view it is a profound and penetrating understanding of stress. It's an understanding of the origination of stress, dukkha. It's an understanding of the cessation of stress, and it's an understanding of the path leading to the cessation of stress. That's all that the Buddha's Dhamma is focused on. But when you think about it, that is everything. And when we start understanding wise restraint and practice that in relation to stress arising, we realize that it's not... Uh, it's not an external thing. Understanding stress is not saying, oh, I understand, uh, I understand wars, or I understand poverty, or I understand this, or I understand that. <clears throat> understanding stress is understanding my relationship to the world and how I create stress to my, within myself by craving for and clinging to self-identification with all things that arise and pass away. That's stress. And of course, the, the gross examples of stress, like a, a world war, is stress. But even that can be seen at a very subtle level, is my understanding that at times human beings engage in warfare, but I don't have to take that personally. doesn't mean I won't duck when I see a mortar coming over my head. But it, 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 this very subtle level of understanding stress can only be found or developed with deep concentration and developing right view. So my, uh, um, my reader for today... <laughs> my Uber reader uh, is Ram. It, I couldn't download the the uh, sutta, and I can't read off off a printed page anymore. This is great. Right. <laughs> Here's Ram. The Atanga Nagara Sutta, the single quality for awakening. On one occasion, the Venerable Ananda was at Viluva Gamaka near Bazali. At that same time, a householder, Dasama, from Atanga Nagara, was nearby in Pataliputta on business. Completing his business, Dasama went to Kukata Monastery to ask a certain monk a question. Where is the Venerable Ananda staying? I would like to see him. The monk told him where Ananda was, was and the Sama left immediately for Viluva Gamaka. Upon meeting Ananda, the Sama bowed and sat on one side. He had a question for Ananda. Venerable Sir, is there a single quality taught by the Buddha to be developed so that the unreleased mind of a Dhamma practitioner who is mindful, alert, ardent, 
and resolute in the Dharma would attain release and security from the yoke of clinging to views rooted in ignorance of Four Noble Truths. Yes, there is, friend Tassama. When a Dharma practitioner, secluded from sensuality and other unskillful qualities, enters and remains in the first jhana. This first jhana is experienced as rapture born of that very seclusion. It is accompanied by directed thought and evaluation. Despite the pleasure of this first jhana, they understand this first jhana is fabricated, impermanent, and subject to cessation. As they continue meditation, they enter and remain in the second jhana. This second jhana is experienced as rapture and pleasure born of concentration. Free of directing thought and evaluation, the joy of concentration permeates their entire mind and body. So notice how this relates to your own practice. When you look at your meditation practice, your jhana practice, you'll see that you're experiencing these, these different levels of meditative absorption. And it should be noted that it, it, it's not, um, we're not grasping after getting to the fourth jhana. It's simply a, a, a description of what we should be noticing in our own meditation practice. And I would bet that every one of you would agree that you, you've noticed at least the first three jhanas. But if you look carefully, I would bet that everyone here has, has reached that fourth jhana. And again, there's no time frame. Notice the Buddha or Ananda is not saying you get to the fourth jhana and you stay there for 18 days or whatever it might be, something arbitrary. It's simply that you acknowledge that you're developing the fourth level of jhana, which is pure equanimity, a mind that is resting in common peace. And again, every one of you has experienced that, even if it was only for a moment or two. That's still the fourth jhana. And you'll, so again, as Ram's reading this, relate it to your own practice, and you'll see this in your, in your meditation practice. Thank you, Ram. Despite the pleasure of this second jhana, they understand. This second jhana is fabricated, impermanent, and subject to cessation. Continuing meditation, they enter and remain in the third jhana, which is equanimous and mindful, a pleasant abiding. With the fading of rapture, this pleasant abiding permeates their entire mind and body. Despite the pleasure of this third jhana, they understand. This third jhana is fabricated, impermanent, and subject to cessation. Continuing meditation, they enter and remain in the fourth jhana, which is pure equanimity and mindful. Being pure, neither pleasure nor pain is seen. They sit permeated in mind and body with pure, bright awareness. Despite the pleasure of this fourth jhana, they understand. This fourth jhana is fabricated, impermanent, and subject to cessation. 
So when you when you hear that, you hear the Ananda's words, you realize that you that in a very subtle way, Ananda's teaching us don't cling to any type of your meditation <clears throat> practice. In other words, if you find that you had a very deep meditation, that's it. In other words, that doesn't mean that your next meditation will be like that. You're you're evaluating the levels of jhana solely so you know that you're doing it right. You're developing it as you should. <clears throat> but all of those experiences are temporary, and so they're fabricated. They're, they're, if the, fab, the fabricated part about it is the, the structure of the meditation itself is, is developed so that we can address and understand dukkha, getting to right view. And so it is, by, by definition, would be fabricated. It doesn't mean, it's also an, a, a lesson on things that are fabricated aren't good or bad. It's what we do with those fabrications. And so it's just a temporary state that we acknowledge that we're developing, but not to hold on to it. Yes, Dave? So, the subtle, refined understanding of dukkha allows you to just be aware yeah. of it. And early on, when I finally understood uh, directive thought, it's like you don't need to corrective thought you know you just are aware that you may be distracted and you return so it's not and it allowed that uh gentle uh forgiving that you're not looking for perfection you're just looking for understanding yeah so yeah thank you david directed thought uh is just that it's 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 ordinary thing. There's nothing extraordinary about directed thought, but it's directed towards a purpose, deepening concentration. So directed thought and evaluation that falls away, Ram's going to read that in just a moment, between the third and the fourth jhana, simply means I'm not judging my practice anymore. Because how could your mind rest in equanimity if in that moment you're judging whether you're doing it right or you're getting the benefits of it or this was the best meditation I've ever... All of that just falls away because it's unimportant. It's fabricated. It's temporary. And the other thing we're learning <clears throat> by being mindful of our, our own thought process in this way is the always temporary state of our minds. And when, when I finally understood that, then, then I could start directing my thought towards something that I wanted it to be on, meaning framed by right view. Right, did I explain that well enough? Do you understand what I said? The... the <clears throat> The whole point of the whole point of a, a well-concentrated mind practicing wise restraint in this moment is so that I don't continue to cling for or crave for and cling to what's arising and passing away, which ultimately is a thought. You know, the, the, when, we, when, we, when we understand and gain control of our thinking, we also understand that it's this one thought that I'm having right now that's determining my experience of my life. And if that one thought is well-framed, there's no clinging attached to it. It's just a, a mindful response to what's occurring. That's an awakened mind. As David was just saying, we do this with dispassion. We deepen our understanding. We deepen our concentration. We deepen right view with a dispassionate approach to life, not taking anything personal. And so these, recognizing these deeper and more subtle levels of jhana 
is also, and you've heard me say this before, that, that jhana meditation is both the practical experience of awakening and it's also metaphor for awakening because we're actually experiencing that in this moment. We're, it, it's almost like we're acting as if, but because we're noticing it, because we're noticing it, we can build on it. But there is an aspect of that acting as if, which is another way of saying it's fabricated. We're not quite there yet, are we? It's another aspect. Deepening jhana meditation is an aspect of taking refuge, too. We understand that there's something to develop here, but we don't grasp after it. We recognize it by recognizing these deeper levels of jhana. Thank you, Ron. John? Yes? You know, if you... It's fabricated. These levels of jhana are fabricated. But... It's not a fabrication that comes from ignorance. I, I don't, I thought fabricated was something that we should try to avoid or I just can't put fabricated together with something that we should, I, I don't Engage get in. it. I don't get it. Um, <laughs> and, and, well, I, let me, and, and not to be, uh, not to give you a quick answer, you don't have to get it, but okay. <laughs> <clears throat> it's only fabricated in the sense of the material that we're dealing with. And so what, what Dharma practice is about is not, it's nothing external. It has to do with the way that I think about myself in relation to the world. And all of that is a fabrication until I, until I've awakened, until I stop grasping after and clinging to things rooted in eye making. And so even the meditation practice itself, the... So that's it, very subtle, a very it, subtle... It's extremely subtle, yeah, but, okay. but that's what we're seeing. When we recognize in this moment that having a right view of stress is understanding that if I take this next thought or if I take this next action, I am developing dukkha, stress in my life. And if I practice wise restraint in this moment, then I won't. But the... the the concept of those two thoughts is is a fabrication, isn't it? Because we're still dealing with no matter how um, no matter <laughs> no matter how unawake I am, the path will deliver me to an awakened state, to an, a state of understanding. But in that process, I'm, this is fabricated, isn't it? Do, do you get that? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's very subtle. It is. It's very yeah. subtle, but it, it really has to do with what's occurring in this moment and practicing wise restraint right here and right now. Good question. John, John, can I just go further on that a little bit? Or sure. Just get a, maybe uh, gain a little more understanding there. So it's fabricated, obviously, because we're rooted in wrong view. We're trying to make our way to right view on yep. things, correct? Yep. Yeah, it's it's just it's a it's a comment on the state of an unawakened mind, but the the dhamma itself takes you from fabricating your reality to simply living in your reality. Yeah, that's all. A fabrication is is me attaching myself to something, and it could be anything. I I like I like blue shirts. I don't like white shirts. That's a fabrication because it doesn't matter. I mean, it's it's true that I might prefer blue over white, but the thinking process, the self identification. Is what what is fabricated, and we can again we can do that with anything. We, we we people have their favorite trees and 
or their favorite dogs, etc., etc. We all make our choices about the things that we identify with. An awakened human being doesn't identify with anything. And the, the paradox there is in that person is meaningfully involved moment by moment with life as life occurs. Because I'm not insisting that it be different than it is. It's free of fabrication. Is it? So, Michael? No, I, I, just, I just want to finish this before I lose it. Um, all right, so understanding it that from that point, again, this has to do with the fact that we're still rooted in ignorance, okay? Recognizing the fact that we're rooted in ignorance, right? And as Ron had said last class, there's a, there's a launch point or a, a, a jump off once you start understanding that we're rooted in ignorance and, uh, again, become um, uh, dis disenchanted and dispassionate about that understanding, you're ready now to embark upon the Eightfold Path, right? So as we're embarking upon the Eightfold Path, we are now, uh, uh, again, we've, we're developing that right view at that point in time. Yep. Because we understand what wrong view is, so now we're choosing not to continue our wrong view or working towards that, and we're embarking. Upon well, let's let, well, let's bring it back into this into this particular well, suit. I am, I am, I am. I'm, I'm bringing it back into this. Um, so once we are at that point, now when we're doing jhana, okay, we are. Now, approaching jhana, or we have that perspective of right view in our meditation practice. So is this where, then, the, our jhana practice is not like fabrication anymore? Right, like I, I'm gonna, I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm, no, no, I, I, think I have to make a point. We're getting, we're getting caught up on this one word in the sutta. Mm -hmm. it, it, and it's, it's important to understand it. But there's so much more in the sutta that we're losing because we're focused on how, what, how, do we, how does fabrication apply here. Fabrication applies because we're still fabricating. Our minds have not yet reached that point of awakening. So, and that really is all that we need to know. It, it's not that if, if we get too deep into the process of fabrication and all the details of it, we're, we're, we lose the whole point of what this is. This is about deepening meditation, recognizing that our meditation is in fact deepening so that we can end our our compulsive need to fabricate everything but during that process our minds are fabricated aren't they they're not awakened yet that's all it means right. as soon as you it's start to think of yourself i am in the first genre i am in the second genre yeah you're fabricating yeah because you're you've now considered yourself and what you're doing right yep. now and that's that just doing what you're doing Mm -hmm. Yep, that's right. And, and that fabricate an example of that would be in this moment directed thought. I find myself caught up in my thoughts. Let me direct my thoughts back to my breath. You're, you're recognizing the fabrication that took you out of your mind to begin with, and now you're bringing yourself back in. So fabrication is part of that, isn't it? Mm -hmm. In fact, recognizing that you are fabricating, it's, again, it's just another word for eye making too. But to notice, notice that you're fabricating, and in jhana meditation, notice how all fabrications fall away, even if it's just for a moment, from the third to the fourth jhana. And usually for most of us, the next thought, we're back in it again. But it doesn't mean we didn't reach that level of jhana, so because, because they're temporary, they're fabricated, aren't they? So there's no, there's no, there's no, re, uh, 
reasonable goal to say, okay, this meditation, I'm going to be in the forest yana for seven minutes. <laughs> you, you just you just fabricated yourself out of a Dhamma practice by thinking that. Although it would be reasonable to, to initially think that way if you were just thinking this is just meditation. So the more I do it, the deeper I do it, I'm good to go. Of course it's not that. David? So it's just even in the fourth jhana, the understanding that impermanence is just there it's, yeah it's you're not going to solve it for that with a, your final culmination of your practice impermanence exists it's just yep. around the corner yep. doesn't occur it, it, it exists yep and how you handle it is what your practice is for your understanding right view allows you to just know it arises and falls away yep. it doesn't solve for anything other than it your understanding. Yeah. It, it, again, thank you, David. The uh, there's a tendency to want even the Buddha's Dhamma to be more than it is. In other words, understanding doesn't seem like the most worthwhile goal until we understand what understanding means. Is the problem with the word cessation? That the cessation is the misunderstanding of your role in dukkha but it's not solving for the things that we all share you're not going to dodge aging oh yeah that's right sickness it's the understanding of how you react to those things and, and again thank you david what what the buddhist dhamma brings us is an understanding of what it means to be a human being and human beings are born they get sick they age and they die along the way they're going, to, they're going to take great joy in getting the things that they want, and they're going to be all upset about losing the things that they want. That's called, the Buddha's description of dukkha is a description of a human being's life. Not so it's avoided, not so it's changed in any way, so that we can live a human life at peace with what it means to be a human being. It's the ultimate self-realization process because it has us realize exactly what we are not a speculative realization of what i might be if i pray enough or you know bow enough or whatever else it might be or visualize enough it has nothing to do with it the reward of the dhamma is actually living a human life free of fabrication everybody get it it's no more than that but that's everything there's no value in living a fabricated life, a life that's always grasping after what I need and what I need to avoid. You're always in the future and you're always in the past. You're stuck in disappointment and you're, you're rooted in fear because you might not get what you want tomorrow. When a, a human being awakens through the Buddha's Dhamma, <clears throat> their mind resting in jhana, holding right view, there is no stress. And there's no stress because, as David said, because we don't attach ourselves to anything. We don't crave for anything. But we're living a fully human life. And so you've heard me say this before. Each and every moment then becomes meaningful because I'm living it. I don't need to create things that get my attention to make me feel like I'm living life. It happens moment by moment. And that's the point. There's nothing fabricated in the present moment except my mind. Thank you, Ron. The last thing I want to add is 
the Sama comes to Ananda with a question. And Ananda gives him a practice. Mm. And that's the takeaway of, of the whole sutta. Right. Good point. It's not a, he doesn't give him a theoretical treatise. He gives him a practice. And the Sama goes basically home and, and practices. That's that's the takeaway of the, of the whole thing here. It's this is not theory. This is an arahant, a teacher responding to a question. So if I want to deepen response my response is go home and yes. do jhana. Yes. Yeah, in in <laughs> essence, the sama asks Ananda, says, "What's the one thing I need?" To do this, mm -hmm. what's the most you know? What's the most important thing? And Ananda says, "It's do jhana this. meditation that you can recognize this way. These four levels of jhana that supports right view." Rob, you should be a teacher. <laughs> Been beaten over the head too many times. All right. <clears throat> As concentration jhana deepens. Their mind is unbound, spacious, free of the confining yoke of ignorance. They are imbued with unlimited goodwill, with compassion, with empathetic joy, their mind resting in equanimity. Even so, this Dharma practitioner understands that this release through goodwill, compassion, empathetic joy, and equanimity is fabricated, impermanent, and subject to cessation. So no reason to grasp after it, which is part of your practice. Remaining well concentrated, they reach the end of the defilements. If they do not reach the ending of the defilements right then and there, through their continued right effort, the five lower fetters will fall away. Self-identification, grasping at rituals and practices, doubt and uncertainty, sensual craving, and, and, and deluded thinking. <laughs> Furthermore, having abandoned self-identification with form, having abandoned aversion, having abandoned self-reference, now here, now there, they enter and remain in the perception of the infinity of space. Then the dimension of infinite consciousness, then the dimension of infinite nothingness, and then too the dimension of neither perception nor non-perception. So it might seem like, because of the positioning of this reference to, to nothingness, uh, infinite consciousness, that this is this is like a fifth jhana, or a, and it's not that way. If you understand the progression, these were common teachings during the Buddhist time, and even today, in, in the, the dimension of infinite consciousness, the dimension of infinite space, uh, the dimension of, of neither perception nor non-perception, all of these were were fabricated concepts that different dharmas taught was the culmination of the path. And the way that this is laid out here, Ananda saying, even these magical, mystical practices are fabricated. Don't do anything else about them. Just let them go. Again, he's talking to the Sama who is practicing 
during that time when these were common dharmas, infant consciousness, etc., etc. So the point I'm making is these aren't something to be even considered in Dhamma practice when you listen to this. And there's many suttas where they go through this level of jhana, they end up here at this description of infinite consciousness, and then they say, abandon it. So that's all that we should be taking in here. It's not a, it's not a process of developing an understanding of infinite consciousness and meditation as a step to awakening. It's, that's, just a, that's just a distraction if we do that. Even here, they understand that any phenomena connected to the five clinging aggregates, <clears throat> form, feeling, perceptions, fabrications, and consciousness, is impermanent, stressful, a disease, painful, an affliction, and as such, anatta, not self. They disregard these phenomena and incline their mind to the cessation of ignorance. Nothing remains to provoke the becoming of further ignorance and the birth of continued suffering. They will enter into pure bright awareness, a pleasant abiding, totally unbound from clinging to wrong views, never to lose their mind again. This, my friend, is the single quality taught by the Buddha. To be developed so that the unreleased mind of the Dharma practitioner, who is mindful, ardent, alert, and resolute in the Dharma, would attain release and security from the yoke of clinging to views rooted in ignorance of Four Noble Truths. Upon hearing these words, the Sama remarked, Venerable Ananda, <clears throat> it is as if a Dharma practitioner were seeking a single opening onto treasure, and all at once realized eleven openings to treasure. In the same way, I was seeking a single doorway to the ending of all fabrications, and all at once you taught me eleven doorways I can take, all leading to the single point of cessation from fabricated views. Venerable Ananda, all true teachers deserve a fee. I will pay homage to you. Vasama then gathered the Sangha from Vasali and Pataliputta and prepared a feast for them. He gave a pair of cloths to each Sangha member and a triple robe to another, and then he built a dwelling for the venerable. <coughs> for a venerable Ananda. End of Sutta. <laughs> Thank you, Ralph. Thanks, Ralph. So, what do you say there, teacher? What do you think about this? Ah, yes, it always pays to read these suttas again, and it pays to read the introduction again, because... Doing jhana is a is a tricky operation. <laughs> it's easy to start off on the wrong foot. Um, even if you're not versed in in Buddhist practice, you will have ideas of what meditation should be like. Yep. You know, I came out of my previous practices with, with the 
the idea that meditation was not thinking or mm. stopping your thinking or yeah think not thinking. stopping your mind uh, it's not that here you have the complete description of what jhana should be like how to practice what to look for as milestones and not to get attached to any of the milestones watch out for the roadside attractions and passing by <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Mom. Um, yes, everything Rom said, yes. And I was coming out of my chair a little bit because and, and I feel like I caught you I I interrupted you and I apologize for that. I because I didn't I just got impatient and eager and like wanting to explain it. Exactly what you were explaining, so just that was great. Um, even though you, th this sutta is so clear in terms of the question being asked and the response, and even John, your teaching of it, which I've heard a few times, you emphasize the response, which is jhana, practice jhana. Um, it's really easy to get distracted by, well, just trying to make it something other than it is. Yep. And this was, um, you know, for me, I, I want to make it, when I, when I, as I started to deepen my practice, I wanted it to be an academic process. I wanted it to be something that I could just, you know, study and take more classes and, you know, read about it and learn about it. And, you know, it's an important thing to realize that it's, it's really just practice jhana. Uh, that's not all it is, but if you all, if you are, and I've for the Sama, is that the Sama is already well versed in in the in the eightfold path. He he understands. He has the <clears throat> academics behind him in terms of understanding what all of this is and what he needs to do, and he's still not getting it. So now it's time to to sit and practice on. And I know I'm, I'm underscoring the same thing Ram did, but I just think it's important because yeah, I think yeah. we can just get off of it and off of it. And it has, you have to just keep bringing it back to that. Yeah. I need to just practice jhana. And a lot of our work here as a sangha is just that. It's This is what we keep coming back to. You know, Every sutta in, in one way or another says that, doesn't it? Keep your focus here. It's right here. It's right here in front of us. It's in our life as our life unfolds. And the only way we can understand that, see it, is through concentration. Again, very simple teaching. If our minds are distracted, which a mind that's rooted in fabrication is always distracted towards its own desires, you're not living anything. And when you let go of that, when you let go of the need for this moment 
and this thought that I'm having to be different than it is, now I'm, I'm awakened. My mind is at peace. Nothing needs to be any different than it is because it can't be any different. Birth, sickness, aging, death, not getting what you want and getting what you do want. That's all life. Or we can live moment by moment with a well-concentrated mind. Thank you, Jim. Good morning, David. One more question. If when you're practicing jhana, um, you recognize somehow when you've reached the second jhana or the third jhana, but it's a it's a subtle. It's kind of a subtle right view recognition. Is that right? I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. You, you're not like stopping and analyzing. Wow, I'm in third genre. That's really cool. You know. Great. Yep. Good. Thank you for bringing this up. These aren't goals. They're not goals. They're, They're just, just to be recognized. That's all. But you can't. But you can recognize them without having made them a goal. Yes. Yeah. It's just. I, by by a. Just a right view recognition. <clears throat> yeah, maybe a, a way to clarify that, and it's important. I'm glad you brought it up. It, it's a, the deepening levels of jhana aren't goals, but they are to be recognized as developments of the practice. They're, they're the, 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 the practical aspect of jhana is to notice these things. Because, then, you know, you're working it. It's, again, as like Ram said, it's, it really is a instruction on how to meditate. Do it this way and mm -hmm. notice this mm -hmm. is what's occurring. When I find that Wow, my mind feels very um, resting in equanimity. I don't get up and jump up and down off my cushion because I've reached the fourth jhana. What I do when I realize I've reached the fourth jhana, what do I do? What do we do when we recognize the fourth jhana in our meditation? Take a breath. Take a breath. That's it. Because, because it's the most ordinary thing in the world. How did I get here? What did I do? What did I do? Yeah. I can't remember exactly what I did. Yeah. And that's really the whole point of this, so we can go home now. That, that's, that is the point. To not... the the Again, the, the Buddha's Dhamma is so ordinary that it's extraordinary, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Because it, it, it's a way of being a human being. There's nothing extraordinary about being a human being except to actually be a human being. But we only can know that by doing this, by developing it in this way. Yeah. You're going on a trip to the Big Apple. Not me, though. <laughs> on the way, you pass the Dairy Queen. You see, good, there's a Dairy Queen. You keep going to get to the Big Apple. Because if you stop at every Dairy Queen, you're not going to get to the Big Apple. <laughs> I think I'd rather stop at the Dairy back. Queens anyway. Yeah, no, I wouldn't pick Dairy Queens. <laughs> yeah, maybe Baskin Robbins. <laughs> good morning, David. Really, what you're talking about is right attention. Yeah. Know what you're here for. Know what you're meditating for. Know why you're trying to develop right speech. Without that, you can stop off at every Dairy Queen. And you can have that moment in the second jhana and be, be better than what you would if you hadn't sat down. So if it's right intention, 
the intention is to understand that you are ignorant of the Four Noble Truths. Yeah. And you develop all eight and not get enamored by uh, how well your meditation is doing. And Jen said it during her first teaching is don't forget what you're doing this for. Mm. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your time if you're not incorporating the entire Tao because you're missing out on so much. So I think that's what we're all kind of saying about yeah. what right intention is. And right intention is often kind of like skipped over. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, yeah, right view and let's get to the virtues. And I think right. it's an important thing to understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Last week's, I think it was last week's sutta, um, the Buddha says that one day well concentrated and one day calm is more valuable than a thousand years of whatever else you might be doing. It's right here, right now. Mm -hmm. the, the, I mean, the, the, uh, the act of jhana. I'm back in my body, aren't I? When I do that, of course, my next thought might take me out of my body, but that that image of my my breath is now uniting my mind and my body together, and now I can live my life. I can I can be here for what's occurring. That's the secret to happiness, isn't it? It's the secret of of everything to be here for it. Because if you're not, you could get a you could get a brand new Cadillac every day. <laughs> it's not going to do you any good, is it? It's not going to mean anything. And I, again, I'm just using kind of a silly example. There's no value in the world except awakening. There can't be. There can't be anything more valuable for a human being than to be a human being. We can't be more than this. But we can certainly be less. Can't we? Kevin. Interesting time. Um, this uh, is so crucial. I mean, it's so essential and so deep. I really appreciate everybody's interpretation of it because it really shows how our understanding is increasing. Uh, one thing that I focus on is uh, the Dhamma practitioner who is mindful, ardent, alert, and resolute in the Dhamma. And I think for me, and I, I think maybe all of us feel this way, when we are in deep in jhana or we're in the meditation, we do have that alertness and we do have that ardor. Yeah. And we can get to the moment where we can, we can actually envision what awakening is. Yeah. And then we leave our cushion, and I know I leave my cushion, and it seems like I fall into the sleep of the phenomenal world again very quickly. But I know that I can come back to my cushion again and I can practice again. <clears throat> I think that's what the Buddha said. We just need to continue to do this. Yeah, it's right effort. Well said, Kevin. Thank you. Good morning, Becky. Good morning. <clears throat> I just want to say thank you for coming back to this sutta. Um, like everyone else said, it's very important, yeah. and I'm glad that I that you came back to it, and I was reminded how important it is to just go back and read it. Yeah on your own periodically because it's it's um it's key yeah, yeah it okay. is that's, that's all I got. Okay. morning tim morning uh yeah the sita 
um, means a lot more once uh, the dog gets more and more developed. Yeah. But it is a, an instruction from Ananda to a question. And, not, you know, almost when Jen was even speaking too, it's hard for me not to think that when you do, the danger of when you do recognize, the danger of craving and clinging is there. If you don't have the wisdom and the wise restraint to recognize it properly. Yeah. And I think, I'll speak for myself introspectively, that happens to me all the time. So when that happens, you realize, I realize that you know, I, I'm self-identifying and I'm craving and clinging to this moment yeah. during meditation and I have to uh, kind of knock myself back and, and start jhana uh, and, and focus. Uh, that happens often at this point. And I know it's, it's not a race, it's not a, it's not a, like you said, a goal. But that's just something I wanted to show that that yeah. happens often in my meditation practice is that uh, when I do recognize I'm feeling calm and that's 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 the start of me wanting it to last. Mm -hmm. And you take another breath. And you take another breath. <laughs> so I think that's what Ananda was trying to say, or he did say, not trying. Yeah. Chichana and what Ron was saying, it's a it's a tricky process. Um, if we don't under, the more I learn about the Dhamma and understand it, the more I understand meditation. <laughs> so, so, so it can help me during the day when I'm not in a meditative state. <laughs> so, thank you. Thank you, Tim. It's really well said that it, the this eightfold path is a is a it's it's a symbiotic path. So it, the other seven factors of the Eightfold Path support deepening jhana as jhana supports integrating the other seven factors, mm -hmm. and, and it, which is an important point. So it is an, it's an eight-factored path. It's not a seven-factored or it's not just meditation. It's an eight-factored path, an Eightfold Path. It takes all of that. But it all has to work together. It can't, um, what I'm trying to say... As you were saying, sometimes it's it's jhana meditation that I'm focused on, and sometimes it's right intention in this moment, the intention to recognize and abandon craving and clinging. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Morning, Michael. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I don't know. Basically, for me, uh, as I understand this, uh, right view during jhana meditation is coming back to the breath. Nothing more, nothing less. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. Yeah. It's coming back to the breath. Anytime you're, um, uh, anytime like, uh, well, what it's basically doing, it's not entangling with any thoughts uh, that are racing through our minds or whatever. It's coming back to the breath. Just, that's it. And from there, it's no worry as to what occurs after that. If you could keep coming back to the breath, then you'll, you'll gradually get to a, a place of uh, equanimity. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Again, well, I keep saying this. Well said. <laughs> Good morning, Julia. Good morning, John. Good morning, everyone. Um, this is a very profound uh, sutta, and it's uh, very instructional um, and very true because there are times when I find myself that, you know, you go into that deep level and, and it's, you know, it takes only a split second where your mind 
takes you off the path and, mm -hmm. and you're yeah. distracted and you're like, wow, this feels really good. Okay, well, there you go. Done. But um, and also, sometimes, you, you know, I find myself, you know, because I had maybe a very deep meditation, the prior meditation, I'll sit down and I'll be like, okay, I'm ready to go there again. <laughs> and, you know, that's a, that's a no-no also, because that just, that shows your mind is already distracted. There's, there's no way to bring it back if it's already, you know, distracted with that thought. Yeah. You have to. You have to have, like David said, right intention. There's a real, there's a real like discipline to this. Yes, it yeah. is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The moment that you have that, that's type the of, word. That's discipline. It, done. Yeah. What is what is this discipline implied? Disciple. You know, I know that has a religious connotation, yeah. but we, we are disciples of the Dhamma. We're we're engaged in this particular discipline. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Julia. Yeah, thank you, John. Morning, Adam. Good morning, friends. <clears throat> I want to thank all of you for this um, very uh, powerful lesson for me. It's, it's mm -hmm. a very, it's been a very powerful tool for me. Primarily because I always kind of struggled with um, my practice and that I've always tried to smash together the academic and the practice parts. And what Jen said really, really crystallized it for me. Um, and, you know, it's been so tied up in trying to, you know, understand the history and the language and the whatever, the academic side of it. When... Um, it, it, with that, with the eye of thinking, okay, that that's how I'll, I'll figure out my practice is by having a deeper academic understanding, mm -hmm. and uh, that's just been a struggle for me for a long time. And this sutta really um, spelled out the uh, you know the uh, the the roadmap or like the the, the tools for yeah. for for Jana, and uh, it's it's fabulous. Yeah. So I thank you all for everything you, each of you said to really uh, you know open it up for me. Thank yeah, you. thank you, Adam. That's how a that's how a song, a well-focused song, works that way. You know, uh, it's remarkable how um, the, the profound understanding that you all have of this. Um, and again, it's just a basic thing. There's probably sixteen or eighteen other suttas that are all focused on this, and they're on the on the <coughs> website under uh, I think Right Meditation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you, you know, there's many many suttas. Uh, that relate to, to the different levels of jhana, and uh, the one comes to mind with Saraputta and getting even more into the intricacies of fabrications and infinite consciousness and all that, and it ultimately comes back to it's all nonsense, it's all distraction. Come back to your breath and notice notice your deepening meditation, and, and understand. Then take that and, and apply it to stress as stress arises. So, a great class. Um, any other questions, comments? Thank you, Ram. Uh, that, that was a great help and uh, a great insight. Kevin's going to be teaching Tuesday night. The reason why we didn't have a, a Dhammapada class today is so that Kevin can teach the next chapter, and he'll be doing that on Tuesday. So, uh, And a few weeks after that, Ram will teach, and then a few weeks after that, Matt will teach. Really doing an amazing, amazing job. Uh, all right, we'll finish with uh, Meta as we always do. I think I can read this.
These are the Buddhist words on metta from the Karaniya Metta Sutta. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied. Unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. Wishing in gladness and in safety, may all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short, or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another, even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. Radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Thank you all for a wonderful class this morning. Peace. 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 Thank Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.